Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast where we chat everything and anything to do with the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Cowie. I'm Nora Germain. I'm a drummer turned comedy singer songwriter. I'm a violinist turned Scott co-host. Smooth. And apparently we are now both podcasters and you're going to hear us chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottcowie.com, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Audio Boom, SoundCloud, anywhere you get them podcasts. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell the ex-girlfriend when you call her up before you tell her she's a cow, tell her to check out the podcast. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week on the podcast, the legendary, the, the extremely talented, the very nice Mike Smith. Mike Smith, what can I say about this guy? I've recorded with him. I've eaten Thai food in Hollywood with him. I just love the guy. I think he's so amazing. And uh, Martin Taylor, who um, you've had on the podcast, who is on my new album. uh, Martin Taylor is a big fan of Mike Smith. So there you have it. Martin Taylor, say what you like about him, but he knows his shit when it comes to... He does know his, you know what. When it comes to good musicians, why are you holding back on that word? You say far worse words than that. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right for the moment. Is this a new dawn? It's a new day? No. No. Not a new life. I feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Smith, the legendary great guy. He's been on a podcast uh, a few times doing the co-host bit. Um, and uh, he's, he's recorded some stuff in the podcast. Let's put it this way. The guy hasn't been a guest on the show yet, but if there was to be a, a, a talk music podcast hall of fame, he would be uh he would be uh he would be in it by 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 the bullet. Definitely. Mike is a legend, right? How good is this guy? Seriously, Nora. Well, I mean, he's great. First off, he plays more than one instrument, which is amazing. He plays saxophone and piano. I'm not sure what else he plays. Does he do other stuff too? There's nothing he can't do. Okay, there you go. He's really funny. Um, he's done all sorts of musical projects. He's an optimist. He uh, knows a lot about the music industry and the creative process. And I've really enjoyed talking with him. And I just, uh, this is a surprise to me. I actually didn't know he was going to be on this week. But Mike, thank you. I love you. And that's great. Yeah, and he's a really nice guy for somebody so talented. I mean, you and I. Um, we've both got massive egos, um, and 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 Mike is, is is one of the best musicians I know, and he doesn't have an ego at all. We could learn a lot from this guy because you and I, especially you, we are anything but humble. No, you're right. I think you could definitely learn something from him. I think you um, could too. More so you. Yeah, more definitely you. But yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I'd say more so you though. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's your friend, so yeah. But you could learn more from him though. Yeah, well, he lives in This your... is about Mike, Nora. This is about Mike. Let's pay our respects right. to the legend that is Mike. And he is Great. a legend. 
Everybody loves it. Do you know anybody that doesn't love Mike Smith? No. Even Martin Martin Taylor should bow down and I think, kiss you know, the toes of Mike he's like Smith. Bernie, he's like Bernie Sanders. The only people that don't love him don't know him. Don't get political. Okay, sorry. But he's a legend, right? I can't say enough good things about this guy, right? And do you know what? He's a very good friend. You're a very good friend of mine as well, Nora, right? Yeah. Yep. Now, in that vein, we're going to cut to the interview with this super talented Mike Smith. And after the interview, you and I are going to discuss the top 10 rules of being a good friend. Oh, great. I actually love this topic. I wrote about it in my book, actually, Friendship. Isn't that so a plug? Sorry, Nora. Tell us about your book. <laughs> I'm in the book. I get mentioned in the book. Yeah, book. Scott. Yeah, so the, I, um, okay, we're actually going to do this. So I'm coming out with a new album uh, uh, in May and in a, a new book. And the book is an inspirational book for young artists. And there's a chapter about friendship. And Scott, you are not in that chapter, but you are in another chapter. Um, that was the so, sound. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? That was the sound of my feelings being hurt. Well, nobody's really directly mentioned in the friendship chapter. I should be. It should just be called uh, "How to Be Scott." <laughs> so, where can we buy the book, Nora, when it comes out? Uh, online. I'm gonna figure that out. There's uh, a few without, kinks to work without out. Without question, you'll be able to get all the information on norajermain.com, ladies and gentlemen, and all of Nora's social networking sites: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Bebo, MySpace. They're all there, but the central place that holds all of those things together is, of course, once again, norajermain.com. Very talented human being. Another very talented human being, without question. We've said his name before. We'll say his name again. Mike Smith, Ginger Tunes, the new album. Jazz, saxophonopinus, pianist extraordinarist, the legend. Mike, we love you. Words cannot express that enough. And we're now we're going to cut to the interview and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about friendship, bitches. Boom! Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast and joining me right now, without question, the greatest saxophone player that ever walked the face of God's green earth. Whoever was good in the saxophone is a novice, a rookie, a mere nothing in comparison to this man. Ladies and gentlemen, and even this is not a, a big enough introduction. I cannot express to you how talented this man is. His looks Definitely outweighs talent, despite the fact that he's so talented. <laughs> the one and only Mr. Ginger Tunes himself. Please put your hands together. Whatever you're doing right now, if you're listening to this, the car, if you're at the gym, if you're driving, do not be disrespectful and applaud when I say his name. Please give it up. The one and only Mike Smith. I'm so glad this is an audio podcast. They can't actually see the truth. Yes. Hi. Anyway. Well, with the truth being that Mike is totally cringing throughout that uh, introduction. Yeah, yeah. Um, simply yeah. because the, the introduction is not big enough. No. Mike, how are you? Great to have you on. I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Now, uh, let's be clear here. Um, for anybody that's not aware, uh, you've been on this thing in various different forms uh, in the past. You've co-hosted different episodes. You've joined me in the video series that we filmed in America. Um, not to name drop, but when we interviewed superstars such as <laughs> uh, Kyle Gass from Tenacious D 
Um, Katie Tunstall. Who's the man? Who's your man that plays the sax? Bob Reynolds. Bob my Reynolds, hero. of course. Mike's hero. We met yeah. him. So Mike um, will be familiar to a lot of the listeners. Um, but we've never had him on the guest spot, and we we keep saying we've been saying for a long time now that we're going to get him on. So, uh, Mike, great to have you. And uh, let's <laughs> let's let's talk music now. Okay. The reason the reason why um, I thought right, let's get him on this week is because this weekend or the past weekend, their new album. Now tell us all about it. Okay, so I uh, I've recently recorded my latest album, which is called Mersey, 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 and it's uh, it's with with my own band, which is Ginger Tunes. Which again, if the people can't see what, what I'm like, I'm a redheaded guy. Um, so, oh, thank you very much, darling. Um, so yeah, this this is an album. Um, we're based in Liverpool, and uh, this is a, basically a reflection of Merseyside, and it's kind of written as a celebration of the city that's given me and so many others such a great life in music. So there we go. That's that's the uh, press release. <laughs> Now, um, you've built up a real following online. How how many downloads? It's something ridiculous, the numbers of downloads that you've had even prior to this album coming out. What what are the figures sitting at these days, Mike? Well, we do quite well on Spotify because we're playlisted on different things. Like um, we get on exam study jazz playlists and all sorts of things on, on Spotify. But yeah, we're up to about, I think, 90,000 a month quite uh, typically. Yeah, it, it seems to be that sort of many, but we're, we're quite big in Mexico. I don't know why that would be, but we do we do quite well. Um, generally, we started doing covers and things like that, which was about March last year, and most of those things are in sort of getting onto a million plays now, of which we've done, I think, about 35 uh, separate tracks. And um, so this... Yeah, this uh, latest project—it's only just gone on this, and it won't—it won't get anywhere near that kind of stuff because it's my original stuff. But um, yeah, it, it's kind of the the digital platforms and the, the streaming thing seems to be uh, the way forward for us at the moment. I don't know how long it'll last for, but uh, more power to it. <laughs> that's incredible numbers. Uh, as we all know, it's difficult to promote anything online. It's it's a market that's somewhat saturated. So to get those kind of numbers yeah. is is staggering. Yeah, yeah I think it's. It's just because of the way they're placed, really. I mean, I've, I've, I'm very fortunate to have a fantastic band. Uh, they're all top of their game musicians. So, um, what what we do, I think, sounds quite good and as and you know up there with, with a lot of the stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I think it's mainly where it's placed and and how it's placed on on playlists. Uh, you know, so you could be typing in uh, coffee shop jazz and then in there somewhere we would come up with one of our tunes. So uh, yeah, we kind of cornered a little bit of a market there. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, right? So give us a line up in the band then, uh, for anybody that's not okay. familiar. Go through the go through the lads. Okay, well this latest uh, recording project, um, we're we're, uh, we're quite loose in our lineup sometimes, but we I always have JJ Rio, who's, who's one of my oldest friends, and he's our bass player um, on uh, drums on this particular recording. We've got Jake Woodward, and we've got my brother Craig. Craig Smith on percussion. He's uh, he's actually a doctor full time, but he, he found time in his schedule to come and play with us. Uh, Andy Hume is a fabulous guitarist based in Manchester. Uh, Richard Chance, who's basically um, a fantastic composer as well as a, a, an amazing pianist, but he kind of came in and really helped uh, helped us along with energy. He was a, he's a really a, a formidable force in the studio. And then, of course, um, we feature Jamie Brownfield, who is an f- unbelievable British trumpet player um, and a pilot as well. 
to boot. Um, so yeah, that's that's the lineup. So actually, on this recording, if you count the seven people, so it's hardly a quartet, but uh, it's a quartet plus guests. Ah, good way of getting around it. Yes, yes. There you go. Brilliant, right? And these guys obviously I'm familiar as well. Um, amazing players. So, and I actually have not had a chance to check the album out, but don't you worry. You know, I'll be listening to it, and I will be uh, continuing to spread the good word. Right, so let's go back a little bit. And that um, humble introduction that I gave you, we, the one thing that we, <laughs> we didn't mention, of course, all joking aside, you're a fantastic piano player. What came first? Was it, was it the piano or was, was it the sax, Mike? Well, it was, it wasn't really, it was, it was organ and keyboards, really. My grandma had, had an organ in her front room and I used to sort of play that as a, as, as a youth. So I mean, yeah, probably from about the age of 10, started on keyboards and things. Then I picked up uh, the saxophone when I went to school, uh, age about 12, and then uh, sort of went back to keyboards as I kind of realized how important it was to have good uh, kind of harmony knowledge. And um, I've kind of continued on that, that path since. Right. So, um, Obviously, you're at school, and we we know the story, or certainly you and I do. Lippa, was that your your first um was that your first choice? Did you how when did you start thinking about going there? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know it even existed, and I lived down the road from it. Um, I I kind of I I applied to all sorts of places. I knew I wanted to do music, so I applied to Leeds and I applied to to Newcastle and I think Birmingham. But then uh, Lippa came up. I applied to Liverpool University and realised that probably wasn't the ideal choice for me because it was fairly academic uh, and it wasn't there was not much playing involved and then I, I basically stumbled across Lipper and applied there very last minute and um, yeah I got an unconditional offer which was good and bad because it basically meant that I ditched my A-levels quite promptly. <laughs> Did you have to audition then mate? <laughs> yeah I auditioned in the January of my A, A, uh, A2 year. Um, so what, what did you play at the audition? Uh, well saxophone. Sorry, I what, I did, what piece sorry? Yeah I think it was um some Bob Mincer studies that I'd been doing for, for, um, he's a, he's a favorite player of mine from the, a band called the Yellow Jackets. Um, but yeah, I did some studies of his and, uh, did, so I think I, I, uh, brought some arrangements and some, um, big band stuff that I've been doing as well. Uh, just to show that I was kind of serious in the whole, um, orchestration aspect of it. So, uh, Lapa, you would, uh, I'm assuming this is a place you would recommend then. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a great place. It's so such a fun place to kind of be around. I'm actually fortunate enough to to have a little job there teaching saxophone now, so I'm imparting my experience on the poor students that are there. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I tell them it's warts and all stories of of exactly what went wrong last weekend and on what gigs and everything, so they get a real world <laughs> idea of um of of what what it's really like out there. Don't not that I'm trying to put them off, but trying to make sure that they don't make the same mistakes I, I do, you know. Right, this segues really, really nicely because I know that you and I had the conversation when I was down, um, stayed at yours. Um, I can't remember what we were doing the next day. Where, where was just just on that subject? I was down, do you remember that? I stayed I at do. yours and we, were, we yeah. had a gig the next day. We were playing London, that's what it was. Yes, that's right. We were down in the Half Moon in Putney, weren't we? That's right. And we had a conversation. Uh, you were just, you were telling me, you were, I think you were working that day and you said, Oh, I'm trying to give the guys a real real life experience. You're not trying to sugarcoat it. You're not trying to um, give them this unrealistic expectation, so to speak, of the music business. Now, talking of yeah. that, tell us about your last two weeks for talking's sake of what you've done music, the gigs, what's happened, the good, the bad, the the, oh, wow. the good, the bad, the harmonic minors. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, well, the last two weeks really have been kind of 
leading towards um, the launch of this album, which was officially on Sunday at the Liverpool Jazz Festival. And we had a few gigs leading up to that, um, sort of the last the few days before that. We were up in Cumbria on the Saturday playing in a lovely venue called Zeparelli's. Um, for those who, who have been to Ambleside, they might know that one. It's an old converted sort of, well, they've got a cinema in there, basically, and uh, they've got a nice piano as well. Um, so we did that, and then um, we had a couple of the week before, more locally in Southport and, and Liverpool. Um, yeah, and then we got we did this big one on the Sunday in the Capstone Theatre in Liverpool, which is a, which is a, a showcase for Merseyside musicians, and they filmed it for the for the Arts Council kind of people, and that was uh, that was smashing that. But again, um, it was an unexpected th- twist to that tale as well, because our guitarist called me at eight in the morning of the gig, saying that he wasn't well enough to perform, so it was kind of a very last minute. Sc- scrabble round to try and find a replacement we had to be there to sound check at 10 um so it was you know having a having a phone book full of guitarists that you can kind of call and thankfully we got a fabulous player that came down and did the job pretty much sight read the gig and um i've heard some of the recordings back and he sounded fantastic so we got away with it that time but again that was just another um aspect of of how things can change last minute and how you've kind of got to be thinking on your feet and able to move quite quickly for the, um, you know, the show must go on. So that was a, that was a bit of a, a surprise. <laughs> how many weddings do you think you have now played? Um, it, definitely thousands. Is it in the thousands really? I think, well, I think, I don't know, maybe it's more like a thousand, but it's got to be up there. Like any, any musician, Going out and making the money. Everywhere you've got to do it. You know, it's it's a staple gig. See, um, no, I I don't look at this as I, I um I'm not interested when somebody says, "Oh, I remember one time we sold out Wembley." I, I'm not interested in hearing it. I want to hear <laughs> about the, the the weddings in the middle of nowhere. This is where the best stories are. I've never mm. tell me a good story about somebody selling out Wembley. They sold out Wembley, right? It's great and all that, but. Yeah, you got to have what is there any stories that spring to mind about weddings, Mike? Is there anything that's um, you must have had a, a given a ton of experience doing these things, right? Okay, well, there's one recently, it wasn't actually a wedding, it was a wedding fair that I played because wedding fairs happen in January and things, and I tend to do like duets and things like with um with my guitarist from the band, and we go and we play people's wedding ceremonies and things like that. So we were, we were, we were selling our wares at this. <laughs> This wedding fair, and some uh, lady came past, and and she let on to me, and she sort of nodded, oh hi, you know, and I, I, I sort of recognised her, and I thought, I reckon, where where do I know her from? Anyway, we started playing, and then it came to me, we played a wedding a couple of years ago, and she was on to wedding, I don't know, maybe three or four. <laughs> <laughs> she had the same band for previous wedding. Know. So we thought about getting a loyalty card printed, you know, <laughs> or probably more of a disloyalty card printed. <laughs> and, you know, so um, we, we, we're going to do this. So a disloyalty card, you know, you, 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 you pay for two weddings and you get the third free. <laughs> you know. That's amazing. Uh, right. <laughs> Any, story. Anything else then? I'm liking this. It doesn't have to necessarily be weddings. Funny gig stories because, like I've said to so many people, you're a fantastic storyteller. And I like hearing about all these different things. So is, is there anything else that springs to mind? There's just too many. I, do you know what? You put me on the spot. I can't. I wish I'd thought about this before because I could have probably li- written a list of them out. Do you know what we should do? This should actually be a segment on the podcast. We can have a bit yeah. of sax playing in the background while you tell a story. But listen, we may come back to okay. that point. 
Right. Now, um, one of the things that stand out, because I was, I was doing a bit of reading on your website yesterday, which, of course, is MikeSmith. No, sorry. What's no. the website link? <laughs> Shoot the researcher. It's uh, MikeSacks.co.uk. Yeah, that, that, or, that, don't worry. Our research or, department will automatically be sacked for that, Mike. <laughs> or GingerTunes.co.uk. And on your so you bio, can... it talks about, you're a big uh, Frank Zappa fan, okay? So tell oh, us yeah, about yeah. Zappa, your interest in Zappa, and what that led on to, Mike, and you know what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. So, well, just, I was uh, I was at Lipper, and um, my third-year project was to play in a Zappa tribute band, which this goes back to 2004, <laughs> so it's a long time ago. Um, and the band was called The Muffin Men, and it was made up with some actual members of the staff from from Lipper as well. And uh, I, didn't, I knew about Zappa, but I didn't know that much of his music, so we were kind of... Um, spent the third year of my degree kind of practicing and getting ready for this tour, which we did in the spring. And, uh, yeah, I've, I was kind of been in and out of that band ever since really. Um, just depending on what they're, what they're doing, but I say they're called the muffin men. They're actually on tour in April all around the country. And a lot of your listeners will probably know who they are, but, uh, yeah, I played saxophone and keyboards to that band for, well, I've, I'm not going to do very much on this tour cause I'm doing the cream classics thing, but there's, um, yeah, I'm often kind of dipping in. At least, at least every year, we did a big reunion at Christmas. But uh, that is a, an interesting band because they kind of have various different um, musicians from Frank Zappa's band involved. So it's like a tribute, but with kind of some real players in it as well. So we've kind of played with uh, Bobby Martin, we played with Ike Willis, we played with Napoleon Murphy Brock, and again, people who who know the Zappa thing will know that they're kind of big heavyweight names. But we were on tour from the mid nineties, um, with, um, with a guy called Jimmy Carl Black, who was, uh, Frank Zappa's drummer in the mothers of invention. Um, and, uh, he sadly died in 2008. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he's left a, a real big mark <laughs> on me since he was a massive influence. What yeah. was, give us a, what was a couple of your favorite songs to play live and uh, a couple of more tricky ones as well. It may, uh, may fall into the same category here, but what were the trickier ones? Okay. What would you, would you like to play? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we did in the first tour, and they, they changed the set every year. You know, um, I remember Markson's Chicken was fairly difficult, um, but I always like Zuta Laws, which mm -hmm. is a which is a big uh, big saxophone feature for me. Um, and there's another Michael Brecker again. He he played with Frank Zappa, and he's one of my biggest heroes, saxophone playing wise. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a lot of his sort of stuff in there. Black napkins, sofa. Oh, I don't know. There's loads. Amazing. And if I, I, I'm going to continue this story, if it's all right. So as Mike expressed, that was a few years ago. The band had been going for a long period of time. So while, while Mike was doing like European tours for them, it was all happening. They were, they were playing everywhere. So cut to years and years later, me and Mike and I met now two or three years back. And I go to America every summer. So, and I've got friends over there, Nora Germain, who's on this podcast all the time. She's on this episode. Tanya yeah, Callahan, the Irish bass player with Stupid Dreads. Um, <laughs> so as we go over there, Mike, Mike comes over that summer just there in 2015, right? Yep. And we're taking a walk and uh, Mike's familiar with the guys now. We're all, we're all a gang when we go over there, the British and all that. Yeah. So we're going on a walk with Tanya, right? Yeah. And we're chatting away and... Um, do you want to take it from here? Well, I think she was at one of the gigs in Ireland, wasn't she, or something? Or she was at some of the British gigs like ten years previous. Yeah, she said, um, "What was it you said?" 
Oh, I love Zappa. I used to play in a Zappa tribute band. And Tanya says, what are they called? You said, oh, it's the Muffin Men. And Tanya said, and this is a person that he's met like 10, 15 years later, um, who's we've met in the middle of, of, of Los Angeles. She says, oh, I used to book you guys when you, you came to Ireland. That's right. Yeah, that's so it. She, yeah, that's she booked so Mike's right. hotel room. <laughs> she booked Mike's gig. That is mental. Yeah. Talk about a small yeah. world. Yeah, you can't do anything, can you, in this world? It's too small. Can't say a word. Unbelievable. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. So, so Mike was over in America within the summer. We had a great time. We were recording over there. It was It was great. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully at some point this year, Mike, you and I will get to record something not out with podcasts. We'll get to do something musically. And aside from that, what else have you got coming up? What exciting things are, are in the pipeline? Oh, okay. Well, there's there's um there's a few things I mentioned briefly earlier. There's a thing called Cream Classics, which is um okay. There's a famous club in Liverpool called Club Cream, and uh, that's kind of recently uh, closed down. And um, as a bit of a celebration of, of all the music that came out of that place, they've um, got some of the old artists together with the Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra. And we're doing a uh, basically a, a series of dates with the orchestra and playing that material. Um, and I'm kind of playing a lot of alto sax and stuff on top of the old club hits and a lot of synthesizer. I'm sat in front of it now with a with a book full of programming gear that I've got to get some old M1 sounds and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, that's happening in April. That's I think the uh, I think this is the 15th and 16th of April this year uh, at the Anglican Cathedral, which is one of the biggest uh, cathedrals in the in Europe, I think. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be pretty spectacular. That very very exciting indeed. Yeah. And um, and what? How many days are you working at Lapa at the moment? Uh, I'm only doing one day a week, basically, just teaching. Uh, you know, one-to-one saxophone lessons with the occasional uh, seminar. But um, yeah, I've got a few little bit, bits and pieces of uh, teaching stuff. I do some Skype teaching as well, um, just like this. So uh, I've got a couple of students in the place like India and um, even kind of slightly closer to home, maybe Cumbria. It's not quite near enough to pop around for a lesson, but <laughs> it works quite nicely. You can kind of, it's the, the internet connection's got so much better around this way now. It's um, It's quite easy to do it. Search for Ginger Tunes on Spotify. Google Mike Smith. There's a ton of good shit there. And be one of the <laughs> thousands and thousands of people that are tuning into him each and every month. Amazing musician, honestly. He's he's putting my extreme bias aside because he's a really good friend of mine. All-round <laughs> good guy. He is a phenomenal musician, and everybody thinks so. If MD checked out the 100th episode... Uh, Nora dedicated a kind of a, a song to to Mike. Everybody loves this guy. Honestly, he's, a, he's an extremely popular man. Um, <laughs> and Mike, wish you continued success with the new album. No doubt, I will be seeing you at some point this year. Um, as we record this interview, we're going to stop recording very soon, and Mike and I are going to come up with a master plan this year, so everybody can stay tuned as to uh, exactly because we'll be we will do some sort of music. There'll be something. It, it will might be. Yeah. Um, Maybe an extended jazz album, or it might simply be at a wedding near you. But um, <laughs> let's just stay tuned. Mike, any final thoughts, sir? No, thanks very much for having me. It's been a real pressure working against you. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, cheers, mate. That's part one. There will be a part two, ladies and gentlemen, further down the, the roads, and we're going to have Mike on <laughs> with his sax the next time. It's all part of the trilogy. Really? Absolutely. That's the first Mike's heard about it, but I'm sure he'll be cool with it. And we will see you guys very soon. Thank you. A fantastic interview there. Oh, my God. Why are you, oh, my God. 
You're trying to do my accent. A fantastic interview there with the one and only. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Ginger Boy. Thank you. Yes. Nora. Yeah. You're a really good friend of mine. Thank you. And in that vein, as discussed earlier, we're going to talk at length about what we feel may well be the top 10 golden rules of friendship. Great. I can't wait. Let's do it. Now, I have conducted extensive research. That means you Googled it. It's still extensive research. Definitely. Because I clicked on page two. Had I looked at page one when I Googled it, that would have been lazy. I went through the extensive research of clicking on number two of the pages and it's come up with a little article made by um, the dailymail.co.uk forward slash news forward slash article and there's a, a, the link's far too long to, to read. So anyway, the top 10, what they have determined is the top 10 rules, golden rules as it were, of friendship. Now how are we going to do this? Um, I'm going to read them out and Nora's just going to give her thoughts on them. And perhaps... Okay. Perhaps there's another rule that's not mentioned in this top 10 um, that Nora would like to, to, to embed within it. So we're just going to discuss it. Okay, because great. at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, that's what friends do. Discuss things? Yeah. Over that's true. Over Skype on a podcast. That's Okay, good. Okay, great. Right. Great. Number 10. A good friend can tell... When you're feeling down in the dumps, even definitely, even when you haven't said anything, definitely, yeah, an okay friend won't really notice that, but a really good friend will say you seem funny, and that person will know when you need a little extra L O V E. Got to get on the love train. Okay, so that should be in there. Then you're happy with that being in the top ten? Definitely. Number nine. A good friend would change their plans to help you out. Uh, yeah, of course. Okay, do you want to expand on that? Well, I don't know what you mean by plans, but I mean, if any of my friends needed me, I would do my best to be there. I mean, you know, even if it meant shuffling a few things around. Would you shuffle a few things around your plans in order to um, talk to me at three in the morning, even if I didn't want to, if there was no real subject matter? Yeah! Great. Number eight. Mm-hmm. A good friend keeps your secrets business private. Secrets slash uh, business private. Uh, unless it's really important that it gets out to some, like, unless, I think there are a few exceptions. Give me one second. What's those exceptions, Nora? Well, I think, I mean, you know, if you're in trouble and the friend doesn't want you to tell anybody, but, you you know, wait, let me go again. If the friend is in trouble and they don't want you to tell anybody else, but you need to get them some help for something, I think that it's okay to tell their secrets. Let's give everybody a role play example. I will be, you will be the friend, and I will be the, 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 the friend of the friend. Okay. Nora. Yeah. 
Um, can you keep this a secret? Uh, sure. I've killed 12 people. That's really bad. Please keep it a secret. Nora? Definitely. Nora, can you keep yeah. another secret? Uh, yeah. The bodies are underneath this bed that we're sitting on. Uh-huh. That's really great. Right, That's so great news. you being a friend, you would mm -hmm. listen to the trauma that I've went through in order to yep. try and keep that a secret. And the trauma I went through committing the offence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then presumably, what would be your next action? Call the fucking police. <laughs> because the best thing for you is to have is to um to be punished for what you've done and that's what good friends do okay number seven mm -hmm. a good friend trusts your opinion and listens to you well yeah i mean i definitely think it's good for friends to give each other advice and i think it's good to really really listen to the other person before you give that advice but I also think that sometimes the sign of a good friendship is when you know you can disagree. Like, for example, this is not a very serious example, but so all through high school, my best friend, Dima, she's this amazing violinist. She is would she better than wear... you? What? Is she better than you? Oh, hell yeah. She's really? Is she good looking? Yeah. Huh? Is she good looking? Oh, yeah. She's gorgeous. Is she on Facebook? <laughs> Yeah, she is. Okay. So my friend, when she, when we were in high school, she would always... What's her surname? Do we have to do this now? I'm in the middle of a story. Yep, sorry, yep. And sorry, you, sorry, your friend Dima... Dima, okay? Yep. She, um, she, in high school, she always wore skirts, and I always wore pants. And, you know, I always thought that you know, pants were kind of cooler and she always thought skirts were kind of, you know, more feminine. And, and, um, so that was kind of like that. And now a few years later, I call her up cause she lives in Miami and I said, how's it going? You know, what are you wearing these days? Cause we talk about our clothes. <laughs> how's it going? What are you wearing these days? Yeah. And she said, you know, I've been wearing a lot of pants and I'm like, oh my God, that's so funny. Cause I wear skirts all the time. And so I think it's okay for friends to disagree. You know, I think that's fine. You don't always, you know, you don't want to be a clone of your best friend. You want to think for yourself, you know, and, you know, go with the flow. But, yeah, I definitely think listening and trusting each other with your opinions is very important. Definitely good. Right. Number six, a good friend will have the ability not to, good friends will have the ability not to see each other for long periods of time, but nothing changes. Definitely. Yeah. When I see my friends, because my friends are sort of spread out throughout the world, unfortunately, and a lot of them have never met. I mean, it's really impossible to get them all in the same room. I mean, I've got friends in so many countries, Italy and Scotland. You know, you're there in Scotland. I have friends, in New York, Miami, Seattle, uh, Spain, um, Germany, Australia. I have friends all over the world. Right. And it's amazing. But Sometimes we go for like a year or longer without seeing each other. It's horrible. And so, but when you do, it's like you haven't missed a beat at all. You know, you just go exactly back to how it is. And uh, I think it's nice to stay in touch with your friends as much as you can. But if you can't, uh, yeah, when you see them, it's just like old times. It's amazing. Number five. Now, I've got to be honest with you. If there's one here that I would maybe go as far as to disagree with, it may well be this one. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. You have shared interests with them. I think that's important, yeah. Well, is it? Yeah, I mean, at least in some sense. I mean, you know, like, uh, you could have, you could be like a right brain person and be really close friends with a left brain person, like a doctor and a painter could be close friends. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they don't necessarily have to have shared interests. But they probably respect what the other one does. Like that doesn't mean it's probably... necessarily an interest. I, I respect doctors, but I've got no real interest in that, that, that area. But it'd be kind of cool to talk to a doctor and be friends with him. Yeah, so, but then you have, like, intellectual things in common. Like, you're both thinkers, you both work with your hands. You yeah, both... that's fair enough. I don't know, whatever. I don't think that one is all that important, but it definitely is possible. Number four, the, uh, a good friend provides a shoulder to cry on oh yeah there's nothing worse than a friend who doesn't give you the comfort that you need when things are not going your way like i i definitely think that's extremely important you know if you go up to a friend and you're like you know i've had this horrible thing happen to me and they're like well you fucked that up that's not very nice you need somebody who will say yeah that's horrible and let's go out for tacos Number three, <clears throat> excuse me, silences are never awkward with good friends. Well, That's a stupid I... one. Why the fuck is that in there? Yeah, I don't know. Fuck that. That's Number two, uh, again, this is a shit list, I'll be honest with you, right? Number two, give uh, if good friends give you an honest opinion, of course, that's kind of been said before, right? So we'll agree on that. Number one, it's kind of been covered, but perhaps the most important one, a good friend will be a good listener. That's true, but actually there's one I think that is more important than any of these. Hit me. Hasn't um, I think that good friends should take you higher in life. Like, you, like, whoever you're around, there's a quote I put in my book, and I'm not sure where it came from. But where, when, I... where can we buy the book, Nora? Online? I don't know yet. It's not out. Okay. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just constantly helping with advertisement. Subliminal. Norisgermain.com. Okay, I'm trying to help out. Okay, thank you. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. And what that wow. means... Wow! I like that one! And what that means is, I think that applies for relationships, I think it applies for family, I think it applies for co-workers, anybody that you have a personal relationship with in your life. You have to think very carefully about whether these people are taking you higher or not. Are they inspiring you? Are they making you grow? Are they making you more creative? Do they make you want to be yourself? Do they excite you about life? Do they give you opportunities? Do they open your mind? Do they uplift you? All these questions. And if the answer is no, well, then they can't really be very good friends. You know, you need to be around people who take you higher. Otherwise, I'm not really interested. And that's not to say that you can't go out and play pool and have drinks with a bunch of fuckheads. I mean, everybody likes that sometimes. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And you can have acquaintances who are who don't really bring you anything new. That's fine. But I think if you're really going to think about your close relationships, the people who you're with the most, you really have to try to aim high because those people become your future and your legacy and they lead you to places that you could never go before. Every successful person in the history of anything, science, art, architecture, mathematics, anything, they had people around them 
that brought them to places and gave them new opportunities that they wouldn't have been able to have if they had gone alone or had been around other people. Every person has that. There are key people. And so make sure you choose your key people carefully. Very well said. And I tell you what, without any word of a lie, I'm not just saying this because she is my friend, but I am genuinely intrigued about this book. This book sounds really good. A chapter on friendship. Who would have thought about that in a book that's that's not just inspiring young musicians? It's not just music lessons. It's life lessons. Norajermain.com. The book is out very, very soon, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. It will be very it will be a very affordable price, no doubt. Nora's always very kind to her fans. And also, I get mentioned in the book. So obviously Nora's trying to spin off my name as well, make some cash. Everybody does it. Norajermain.com. <laughs> Big thanks to the legend that is Mike Smith, a true friend, a true great, a true. Wait, I have something. I have something. Wait, I forgot. I forgot. Hit me. Nora's going to play a song in the violin. That's, that's the, remember, you played them one in the hundredth. It really relates to what we were just talking about. Now, I'm not sure if the people over on your side of the pond will know this song, but I think they will. Okay, you ready? I'm, I am ready. What is it? Oh, yeah! Unbelievable. Never ceases to amaze me, nor is your you main. You got a friend in me. Love Great. You got a friend in me. Mm-mm-mm. When the road looks rough ahead, and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. Beautiful. You just remember what your old pal said. Boy, you got a friend in me. Nice one. We got the instrumental version and we got an a cappella version. And all for the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Smith. Big thanks to Mike. Big thanks to Nora. Next week, we've got the great harp player, Ern Hill, on the podcast. Can you believe it? It's going to be awesome. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>